Good morning. Uh, welcome uh, as we come to worship today. Oh. Um, on this second Sunday after the Epiphany, uh, last week we thought about uh, the Magi, the wise men, the three kings, whatever way you want to describe them, um, coming with their gifts um, to visit Jesus. Um, today we welcome um, you, whether you're here for the first time in person or indeed online, uh, you're welcome with us as we come to worship today. Uh, we also welcome Christina, um, who's no stranger here in Daravolgi, but she's our um, diocesan youth officer. I think it's the, probably the easiest way of saying things. Um, but Christina will explain a little bit later um, in the service just about what she does and why she's here and all those kind of things. We welcome you uh, into our midst this morning and we look forward to what you uh, bring for us. Um, the first scripture to open with today we find in Psalm 139. And it says this, How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How fast is the sum of them? Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Uh, a verse uh, in a psalm that encourages us into an intimate relationship with the God that we worship. Uh, now, those verses encourages us that no matter where we go or how far we think we are from God, He is still present with us, uh, around us, before us, above us, uh, and below us. So with that in mind, let's pray as we open our service. Father God, we thank you that you are indeed present with us. And our invitation for you to be here today does not negate that wonderful biblical precedent that you are present at all times. But in our invitation, we open our hearts, our minds, our souls before you that we might be receptive to what you would do for us and with us as individuals and as a community of faith in this place today. In your name we pray. Amen. Uh, Rodney, can I invite you forward to read us uh, the scriptures today? This morning's reading is from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to the end, and then chapter 4, verses 1 to 3. It's entitled, A Prayer for the Ephesians. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derive its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Um, it is such a joy to be here with you this morning. Thank you so much to James for inviting me. 
um, and for having me along. Um, I have been here before, but I think the last time was for an UNU competition um, rather than a service. So um, yeah, a great space, but it's lovely to be here with you on a Sunday as you meet to praise God. Um, this morning we're going to look um, at the two passages, we kind of the one that we read together and the one um, that Rodney just read for us there now. Um, but really we're going to think about how we can pass on faith to the next generation, how we can share with children and young people, um, young people specifically, um, about how we can share with them our faith and pass on what it means to be a believer. As James said, my role is diocesan youth officer. So I've worked for the diocese now for over eight years. Um, and it's my joy and pleasure to be able to be useful to any of the parishes in the diocese around youth ministry. We also get to organize a couple of diocesan events that young people can come to. Um, so these guys have come along to uh, Connor Six the Castle um, and as well our sub camp um, at Summer Madness where we, yeah, feed hundreds in the middle of a field um, in the first week of July. Um, so yeah, it's my joy to be able to connect with young people from different parishes, gather them together and to be able to show them something of who God is in those specific moments. Um, and yeah, I particularly love working with young people, the 11 to 18 um, I'm definitely not a kids worker. Um, my colleague Victoria does that really, really well. Um, but yeah, give me a 15-year-old uh, grumpy lad any day um, and I'd be more than happy over yeah trying to chat with a five-year-old. So um, it's funny, isn't it? Different people and different things. But um, yeah, for me, there's a real passion about working with teenagers and hopefully some of that will flow through this morning. Um, the majority of my thoughts this morning is directed to the majority of you as adults um, and for us to see how we can support and cheer on our young people um, as they grow in faith, both in families, those that we're related to, but also as a church family for the young people amongst you. I'm aware there's a few young people here. Um, I've set them a little bit of a challenge um, but also there'll be certain things that I speak directly to you guys. Um, but yeah, I'd encourage you to listen as I chat to the adults about what I'm asking of them um, so that they can continue to support you. But you can also encourage that in those adults as you see them live that out for you. I wonder this morning as we're chatting about youth ministry, um, about being a teenager, how many of us are here today in church because of youth ministry, because of someone who interacted with us and shared faith with us as a teenager? How many of us made that decision to follow Jesus during our teenage years? It might have been that you grew up in a Christian family, but there was a culmination of learning about God and ultimately that decision happened. Perhaps you sought to find out what mattered to you as a teenager and finding your own identity and becoming a Christian was a real part of that. It might be that you encountered God in a really specific way as a teenager or as a young person. For me, I grew up in Isla McGee. Um, I grew up in a Christian home and spent most of my time 
at church. Uh, my dad was a minister, and so, uh, yeah, we lived at church. <laughs> um, and my little rural school was on the same grounds as the church building. So I was there six days a week and probably seven days a week. Um, but I made a decision to follow Jesus after attending a youth residential at 13. I wouldn't say that I ever didn't believe in God, but there was a moment where I decided to claim that for myself, to say, this isn't just my parents' faith. This isn't just somebody else's. This is mine. And in doing that, taking responsibility for what it looks like to follow Jesus each and every day. My family, both parents and grandparents and other relatives, showed me what it was like to live as a Christian and how they lived and how they made decisions, how they sacrificed for others um, and how they set aside time to be with God and ultimately how they loved me. Don't get me wrong, it definitely wasn't perfect, but that's what they sought to do. My church family also really showed me what it meant to live as a Christian, they came from different backgrounds. They lived um, different lives, had different experiences, different families of their own. And they showed me that they valued me through conversation. They got to know me. And in seeking to get to know me, they modeled what it looked like to live as a Christian through their life experiences. And in one of the critical ways was through praying for me and letting me know that they were praying for me. Maybe it was also just being the minister's kid, Becky can tell me, but there were also definitely a few extra Easter eggs. That was one of the perks, being a young person in church. Um, from what I know of your young people, they are kind and generous. They're funny and silly. They're inquisitive and interesting. And many of them are seeking to follow God and find out more about him. I think there's a wee picture of them at Madness. Um, having lots of fun with Johnny and Karen. Um, my experience of young people more generally today is quite similar. They're tech savvy. They're passionate about seeing justice and things being made right. Many young people also face loneliness. They face anxiety. They're being bullied. Being a teenager is a time where your brain develops. You can understand abstract thought in a way you couldn't before when you were a child. And so it's this time of learning and developing and taking on new ideas. Our young people today are being encouraged to find their interests and what they're good at, find their thing. And many young people carry the weight of expectations of others. Being a young person, being a teenager, is a really pivotal and important stage in life. It's one of those things that it's a stat, but I can never find where it comes from. But it's something I also agree with in terms of hearsay or being around church for a while, that lots of people, I've heard 70%, um, say they made a decision to follow Jesus before they were 18. I know that from my experience, and lots of my peers have made that decision as a teenager or as a child. Um, but often we can see in our churches that the teenage years are a significant time for us to help young people to grow in their faith, grow in discipleship, and know they belong in a Christian community. 
This morning we read together from Psalm 78. So we're just going to take a moment to look at that passage. I feel like it's absolutely tiny, so I apologize for that. Um, but you can remember reading it, and maybe if you've got your Bible on your phone um, or with you, you can feel free to look that up as well. Psalm 78 calls us to pass on to the next generation the truth and glorious news about what God has done. This psalm is a wisdom psalm. It seeks to instruct God's people to do something, um, seeks to instruct them about how to live in community with others and to not make the same mistakes that God's people have throughout the Old Testament. If you look through the rest of the psalm, it's quite a long psalm, so I wasn't going to um, ask us to read the whole thing. Um, but if you want to later have a look at the rest of the psalm, it's really this huge, big storyline about what God has done, what God's people have done, how God is continually gracious and faithful and good, and God's people continually rebelled against him and turned their backs on him. They forget what God has done time after time. And we don't want to be the next generation to make the same mistakes. There's this warning that comes in verse 8. Don't let them make the same mistakes. We don't want either us or the next generation to be known as the stubborn and rebellious generation. A generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. So how do we avoid this? How do we encourage our young people to continue to be faithful to God? Fronting this storyline and overview of the Old Testament, um, we have these eight verses. The passage calls us to not hide God's truth from our children and young people, the next generation. Calls us to tell the coming generation the glorious deeds that the Lord has done and his might and the wonders that he has done. It's calling us to remember the story and pass on what God has done to the next generation so they can put their hope in him. They wouldn't forget God's works and that because of this, they'd want to obey his commandments. It's a beautiful picture, beautiful idea. Um, families telling stories together about God's goodness and grace and provision. And we see this throughout the Bible, even the past week in our church small group, we were looking um, at the Passover and families gathering together um, to share about what God had done um, in that time. We see this in the Bible as God gives his people moments and times to remember his faithfulness. So what shall we do? There's four things, you can see them um, on the screen. There's four different things from Psalm 78 that can be our guide to engaging with young people to pass on faith to the next generation. Also, just before I start in, I totally believe this is something where I'm just commending what's already happening and hoping to affirm you in that rather than introducing anything new. So I believe this is already happening here amongst families, amongst this community of faith. Um, but hopefully it's an encouragement and a reminder of those things um, and being able to see it confidently from Scripture. So firstly, what we teach, teaching the Bible to highlight the glorious deeds of the Lord. How incredible is it that we have God's word available to us? We can become flippant. We can lose the preciousness of having it. But the glorious deeds of the Lord are here and waiting for us to delve into. 
We can see his creating power in creating something from nothing. We can read of God's willingness to come alongside humanity and be with us. God's word is the most important thing because God has revealed himself to us, showing us his character and all that he's done for us. There are lots of ways already that young people in this parish are being taught the Bible. They have the opportunity to go to DVY and be at Sunday mornings. They can help as junior leaders in lots of things and hear God's word taught there. It might be at home through family devotionals or chatting through a Bible reading plan. Um, It might be those car journeys full of questions. God's word and our value of it is to be passed on to the next generation. Paul tells Timothy to guard the good deposit that has been entrusted to him. Let us help the next generation to know what the good deposit is in the word of God and to guard it. So secondly, what we tell. It's interesting, isn't it, that in this passage of scripture, it's quite explicit saying that we need to speak things out. We need to speak out the goodness of the word of God, but also his wonders. So what we tell, sharing our experience of God's wonders that he has done. In addition to God's word and chatting about the Bible and the importance of that, each of us as believers have our own stories. We have a testimony of how God has worked in our lives, the moments where we have been so sure that he is real, where he's turned up, we've been aware of his presence. Someone has come alongside us in the right moment, has an answer to prayer. And there's such a value in learning about how God has worked in the lives of people from the Old Testament and the New Testament in God's word. But I'd love us to accompany that with the stories of how God is working now, today. I wonder how other people's stories and experiences have impacted you. Whether there's been someone's testimony that actually has lit something in your soul where you've been reminded that, goodness, God can work today. He might be able to change my situation or the thing that I'm holding back from him in prayer. I wonder if you've been encouraged or challenged by someone else's experience of God's presence with them through a challenging time. Also on this, I just want to say it's not easy. Um, For many of us, this is a really challenging thought. For whatever reason, sometimes it's just difficult to name it, to be able to form the words around how we've experienced God and and put that together and share that with someone. Um, And sometimes it's just difficult to speak that to share that with others, and maybe even particular, um, a young person or a teenager. But I'd encourage you, maybe reflect on the times where that's meant something to you, and think about how you could share your story. Thirdly, how we live. This is about modeling what it looks like to follow Jesus. For any of us following Jesus, we're then called to teach the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, and tell them that they can put their hope in God. I would suggest that not all teaching is done in words alone. We have a call to live lives that are worthy of the God that we serve, that resemble what it looks like to follow Jesus, demonstrating what it means to not forget God's words and obey his commandments, as it says in Psalm 78. We can find it difficult to truly see 
what it means to live like as a Christian in this time and this place. And so we each need to model that, that full life discipleship and teaching the next generation through our examples, the decisions that we make, how we live our lives, the priorities that we have. It means being engaged with church ourselves and showing our young people that that's important. It means seeking to redeem the world from difficulty and darkness and bringing God loves and God's love and care. It means making decisions not based on pleasing others, but on pleasing God. We can take our lead from Colossians 3, verse 17, that says, Whatever we do in word or deed, doing everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the Father through him. Fourthly, from Psalm 78, um, this idea of how we interact, caring for the young people amongst us and encouraging more to belong to church. One thing that made a big impact on me as a young person was adults around me seeking to know me, to take time, to understand what was important in my life, and then being able to pray about that. By being known and cared for, we're more likely to commit to a church, commit to following God. I wonder if that's true for you too. And faith can grow when we feel supported, when we feel safe and seen by other people around us. And so keep encouraging the young people in your midst, getting to know them, caring about what matters to them, and then praying for them. So practically, these four things, what could it look like? It might be as simple as praying for the young people that are part of your church by name, thinking of their names and praying God's blessing over them. It might be doing family Bible devotions at home um, with teenage children or with grandchildren, um, even for me, I don't have kids of my own, but being able to get Christian books for my nephews or being able to ask them what action songs they've been learning and doing those together. The opportunities that we have as family um, in those moments to raise those conversations and make that part of what we do on a Sunday afternoon. Being willing to volunteer, maybe, and do DIY or even help practically with something. I know in our home church, we have a road of people that come in and do um, supper, but it's such a blessing because it's the full church. So there might be a need, there might be something there um, that can be helpful. Wonder about having your testimony or story on standby. Is there a moment where God's worked and actually you're able to share that? Where you can think that through and get ready to pass that on and encourage someone? might be as you pray for the young people, you can write an encouraging note and share some scripture that's meant something to you. might be asking them what God's teaching them or wanting to know more about their faith journey. Even as many of the young people here have gone through confirmation, recalling the date of that and sending a text either through parents um, or being able to remind them that actually the promises that we make as church family are still true. We're still committing to support them as they grow in their faith. So we've thought and considered about Psalm 78, um, and it sounds great to me, <laughs> it sounds good, um, and we want to ensure that we're able to do this, um, how God's working in our lives. Um, but ultimately, we want young people and um, 
them to grow as believers and what we're hoping for in their lives. So Ephesians 3, 14 to 4, 3 tells us our hope for young people is to live a life worthy of our God who has called them. I always come back to Paul's letters as I'm thinking about young people. I'm not really sure why. Maybe you do too. Um, But this idea where Paul isn't always with people that he cares about, but he writes these powerful words about what we can hope for and pray for in the lives of others. Um, I wonder whether this is something that you can use as you pray for the young people. Looking through Paul's prayers for the churches um, and putting those into your own words. Um, And we're going to do that a little bit later on at the end. So our hope for young people is that they live a life worthy of what God calls us to. Live a life worthy of our God. Um, And when I thought about this, I thought about the idea of resilient disciples. Um, So there's a quote there from Barna about what that looks like, what we're hoping and praying for our young people to be like. So that they would attend and engage in church. They'd trust firmly in the authority of the Bible committed to Jesus personally and affirm that he was crucified, raised from the dead and to conquer sin and death and that they can express a desire to transform the world as an outcome of their faith. It matters being a resilient disciple what we hope for them because life is hard. It isn't easy. Things go wrong. We know that to be true but our young people do as well. And so in the midst of this life and the tricky things that come our way, we want to cling to God and his goodness and we want to help our young people do the same. So how can we be encouraged to keep going? Hopefully this morning we've been reminded of these three things, but it's important. This matters. Um, We're each called to play our part um, and it is a vital role. We can be encouraged because it makes a difference. Being a young person today is challenging and you can make a difference in their faith. You can show them that they're valued, encourage them and spur them on. We can be encouraged to keep going because it's our privilege. We're not expecting something in return or being part of a bigger story or thank you, but simply seeking to have a blessed impact on someone finding faith. Hope this morning has been an encouragement to you to continue playing your part, to continue supporting young people as they find faith. Um, And that there's maybe been something sparked there about what else you could do or how you could be involved with that. Um, And so as I close in prayer, I just want to leave a little bit of a moment for us to submit to God, to ask us to direct our thoughts, to commit to what he's calling us to do. Um, So let's pray together. Almighty God, we thank you for your word to us. Thank you that you call us to pass on this goodness to the next generation. Thank you for the scriptures which tell us about your glorious deeds and the wonders you have performed. Lord God, we're so thankful for how you work and that you've shared this with us. Mighty God, thank you for the call to pass on faith to the next generation. God, we need your help. Help us to teach where we can teach. Help us to tell the testimony of your goodness where we can. Help us to model what it means to follow you. 
and to live as an example to the young people around us. Help us to show our care for the young people in our families and our church families. Let's take a moment and reflect on what you've spoken to us today, God, and how you might be calling us. Pray now for our young people using some of the words from Ephesians 3 and 4. Pray that our young people would be strengthened with power by God's Spirit so that they may know Christ dwelling in their hearts by faith. We pray that as they're rooted in God's love, they have the strength to understand the fullness of who God is. We pray that they would know Jesus' love for them, which is beyond knowledge. We know, God, that you can do the impossible. It can work beyond our imagination, beyond what we can dream of. So working through our young people, God, we pray you'd be glorified through this next generation. We pray blessing and protection over our young people. God, that you might help our young people live a life worthy of you, Lord. We pray that each of them may have humility and gentleness, patience. They'd be able to bear with others in love and eager to maintain the bonds of peace. Lord, we thank you for them. We pray that you would continue um, to work within them and that they would grow more in love with you. In Jesus' name, amen. We hear some of those wonderful verses of Scripture from Ephesians 3 today. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask, seek, or would even dare to imagine, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. And may the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, rest upon each one of us this day and forevermore.